All right, hey everybody, welcome back to the Third Deck Lounge podcast. Today I am talking with Rocco Di Primo. He was a fast company Marine when he first started out in the Marine Corps in 2006. He served uh, all the way up until 2011 and eventually ended up in 3-6 as a uh, 0311. He was a third squad leader of Third Platoon India Company, and he actually ended up becoming a McMap MAI too and deployed with 3-6 to Marja. Afghanistan uh, during Operation Mosh Tarak. And Rocco, I just want to welcome you to the show and thank you for uh, giving me your time and being willing to come and talk about all this with me. Awesome, man. I, I'm truly humbled to be here. Yeah, brother. Uh, and I I think uh, what we'll start it off with, where, where, are, you, uh, where are you originally from? Uh, so originally I'm from a little town in uh, Florida. It's called uh, Lake Wales, and um, you know from there that's when I started my little journey into the Marine Corps. And what uh, why why did you join? Um, uh, part of it I, I guess would be uh, my, my dad was um in the Marine Corps for 13 years, so there's you know that influence there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember I was in eighth grade when 9/11 happened, and um, I was sitting in a research um, class with this individual, or the teacher, Mr. Hughes, had put on the uh, the TV. You know, 9/11 had happened, the towers are falling, and I just remember going home that day. And, you know, I had family that was you know living in Queens that used to frequent into Manhattan, and we didn't know where they were. Um, and so I, I guess you know part of that just kind of like the, you know started to push me toward going into the Marine Corps. I found out about the Naval Academy and, uh, you know, while I was in high school, I started to slate everything I did to try and go uh, to the, you know, Academy. And unfortunately, um, I didn't get accepted. I did have a congressional nomination, but um, I just, my SAT scores were a little too low. So after my senior year, I just decided to go ahead and enlist and uh, rock and roll from there. When you when you uh, circling back to to nine eleven, because that's actually interesting. I haven't actually really kind of talked to somebody that was uh, around that age uh, and seeing that in school. Wait, what what was uh, everybody's reaction? I guess kind of how how did that morning kind of go for everybody? Yeah, it was uh, it's kind of rocky, and you know, just kind of thinking back on it now. Um... You know, we were we were so young, dude. We didn't understand the uh, longevity of what just had happened. Um, and basically, the rest of the day was, you know, there was no schoolwork being done. It was the TVs were on, and that was kind of like what we were succumbed to. And then I went home that day, and I remember my dad just having, you know, Fox News on. This is happening, and you know, part of that was just like, okay, hey. This is war. We're uh, we're about to get into it, and you know, my dad again. You know, being in the Marine Corps and had been a part of the you know Gulf War, um, he kind of understood what was going on. And like I said, man, we were so young, or I was so young, I didn't really understand what truly was happening. I just knew that, you know, this is what's going on, and I'd like to be a part of it someday. Right. Was your was your dad still in the Marine Corps at this time? No, actually, uh, my dad was out, and uh, he was working in Florida as a uh, a deputy 
for the uh, you know the county that we lived in. Mm, okay, and that's insane for me to to even think about. It's so, such a different time. I was like, I was a little kid. I think yeah, I was, I was really really little kid. But I remember uh, this is the only time I ever saw this too. There, there were jets that flew over my house. And I remember thinking to myself, I was like, that never happens. And even like looking back the the rest of my time, I like that I was still there at home. Uh, I never remembered seeing jets or anything military ever flying over a house ever again. But I remember being like a super little kid and thinking, like looking back on it now, I almost wonder if that was uh, that was on nine eleven. But I, I can't really remember. But it's crazy though. But either way, yeah, it's just sad. Yeah. Kind of a you know that during that time frame, you just realize like. This is strange. Right. Were your teachers this saying is not, that? You know, normal. Were, were your teachers? Honestly, I, uh, did, I, I, I don't remember exactly what the teacher, you know, was saying. I remember, you know, looking over and he had tears in his eyes and, you know, it was more emotional for him. And we just kind of like, you know, understood like this is something big. Right. Right. Yeah, that's that's definitely insane to be seeing in eighth grade. Well, again, you know, even to then, like, you know, didn't get into the fight until four years after that, you know, but <laughs> there was still plenty of it going around and plenty to be received as, you know, the years continued. Right. So when you, uh, yeah, going through high school, where I guess where you sent, you're seeing and everything on TV and everything was starting to, I imagine those following four years, what, 2000, up to 2005 was around the time you, yeah, 2006 you joined. So seeing, that was about, yeah, uh, dude, Fallujah was rocking, yeah. Ramadi was going on. Um, like, that's like, you know, the Iraq war was in full, you know, full steam ahead. Afghanistan had kind of taken, you know, a backseat. But, you know, the dudes like Fallujah, Ramadi, like, they were rocking and rolling. What was it like uh, being in high school during all that time? Did, was it something that was talked about a lot or just something that was uh, in, in, I guess, everybody, everyday society? No, not at all. Um, not, no, I mean, you know, I come from a small town in Florida, and to be honest with you, like, I stayed in a bubble even when I was down there, but to the extent of, like, you know, teachers or other individuals really talking about it, no, it wasn't, like, prevalent. Um, we had, you know, guys come back that, you know, had served in the, you know, initial invasions and stuff like that, you know, from, like, recruiters' assistance, but... Even then, like, it still wasn't really talked about. Nobody knew what was going on. Um, right. My my dad had a very good understanding. Mm-hmm. And so when it came to the point where I was like, oh, I want to enlist, like, he did everything that he, like, he could to try to dissuade me from going. I was going to ask you that. How did he you feel? Know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, he wasn't too happy. Uh, he was just like, Rocky, um, you know. As soon as the recruiter you know, set me down, I'm like, yeah, I want to travel, do this, do this, you know, go kick in doors. And like, you know, I just, you're a naive 16 year old kid. And, you know, these granders are going to do these things are kind of like in the back of your mind. And my dad's just sitting there like, nah, man, you, you, you don't want to go do that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. But it's crazy. I did it anyway. It, it's, it's interesting for me now seeing the, with, the internet, how how easily you can almost see and do uh, all these conflicts, whatever they are going on in the world, and then just versus yeah. in the past where 
it, it was basically movies and TV shows were kind of the, the idea of what it was. Oh man, I couldn't imagine being in Afghanistan uh, with Instagram and live streaming what we were doing. I'm, and honestly, I'm thankful we didn't have that. Um, so yeah, it is a uh, kind of surreal watching these dudes like, you know, on battlefronts in different spaces, uh, you know, getting after it. And you're like, man, these dudes are on a cell phone. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, it, it is insane. It is. It's surreal. You're just, it's it's like watching a football game in real well, not a football game but it's like watching it in real time it, it's it's crazy um what did your what did your dad do in the marine corps uh so my dad was uh yeah, he was a like com bubba he was like an 08 i think that's is that com no i'm sorry artillery is 08 um but he used to rock with uh 310 delta as their com bubba and uh he was with a couple of infantry units back then um you know basically just important calm mm, gotcha gotcha so i yeah. think that was part of like why he understood like right right hey man being on the being on the ground can be a lot different than uh what it's really portrayed to be you know right yeah yeah uh so when you ended up going how was how was boot camp for you what was that experience like it was fun um you know i was 17 when i joined i was uh one of uncle sam's misguided children for sure man <laughs> doing all the wrong things, but, um, I went to boot camp at 17, met some, you know, I had some good friends there and it was just honestly, like for me, I grew up, uh, you know, through high school wrestling and it just so happened that two of my coaches were, uh, you know, Marines. And so everything that we did on the quarter deck and all that, like it was just, you know, a regular day of wrestling practice to me. So like, you know, boot camp was, it was pretty good. The only thing that I had to uh, adjust with was getting used to being away from home for so long and all your friends, you know? Right. Right. And you signed initially to, did you, end, did you want to be in 0311 for, at first or did they end up doing some, something <laughs> with your paper? Yeah, I did. I just, I, you know, I originally just wanted to go 0311 contract go all the way in. And then, uh, you know, with the advice of my dad, um, when he was in back in the nineties, the fast teams kind of originated and, you know, back then they were kind of like high speed or whatever. And so that was kind of the pitch. He's like, Hey man, like kind of pitch the, um, going to the fast teams and get to do some you know cool, fun stuff versus just, uh, being an O three eleven. So that was the contract I ended up taking was the O three eleven, and, um, I had originally looked at going like, you know, the presidential route going up to camp David, but I'm so glad that did not come into a fruition, you know, by any means. Yeah. I've, I've got a friend that, uh, he went up to, uh, camp David. He, uh, he said it was okay. <laughs> it's a different, uh, Marine Corps experience. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I believe. But it. honestly, like, you know, um, one of the guys I served with later on in Marja and he ended up becoming, you know, my first team leader, um, Lynch Corporal Garcia came from eighth and I, and thankfully he was scored away, dude. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. That's definitely, that's definitely good, especially coming from uh, eighth and I. <laughs> yeah. You know, you don't get to do as many infantry tactics and stuff like that while you're up in, you know, that atmosphere. But again, he came back to us, man. He was locked on and he was ready to go. That's awesome. What, so how long did you spend, uh, and fast before you ended up coming to three six. 
so I spent like roughly about two years, maybe some change with the one F six, the uh, fast team up there. Um, and thankfully, man, we, um, you know, a lot of the guys that had gone to fast and ended up in the fleet later on, they weren't really spun up on infantry tactics and doctrine and stuff like that. But the individuals that I had as my uh, platoon commander and platoon sergeant, man, they, they were locked on. Um, my platoon commander was with 3-8 back during uh, Ramadi and was actually um, shot by a sniper from a mosque uh, during that invasion, you know, survived it and um, came back. And so he was really heavy into infantry tactics and making sure that when the fast team guys got to the fleet, they weren't going to succumb to and be looked at as like basically pieces of shit. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. No, that's actually awesome that he was kind of like preparing you guys. And then, you know, my platoon sergeant, he was actually a, uh, he was a tracker, but um, he was a locked on, squared away guy. And, you know, by 23 years old, he had picked up a uh, staff sergeant meritoriously. And he was uh, kind of in the same realm, man. He was, he had been through it and he's going to make sure the guys that he brought up were, you know, ready to go. Right. Yeah, no, that's definitely, that's crazy to, uh, it, it's, it's, for me, it's insane to think about how much, how trying to word this uh all the different experiences that everybody was bringing to the table from all over the marine corps from uh just that era yeah and a lot of it changed you know these guys had fought you know oh three during the invasion oh four oh five oh six you know came back oh seven to you know the fast teams and you know they held all this knowledge now and they're starting to you know implement it into those platoons yeah, I was gonna ask you that. Did you uh, was was there things that carried over from fast that you guys ended up practicing in the platoons when uh, you got to three six? Yeah, I mean um, that was one thing. The CQB aspect, AUC, uh, you know, mount stuff like that. We had a little bit more time when I was with uh, fast to focus in on those things versus when I was with uh, you know just a regular infantry line platoon and. You know, we got some really awesome training when I was with those guys. You know, everything from um, going to Mount Town for like, you know, a week and a half and, you know, getting to train a little bit with the MSOB guys back then. And then, you know, VDSS, um, you know, type of uh, activities, working with the Coast Guard, like EOD guys from uh, the Navy came over and helped us in Bahrain learn how to, you know, do different breach charges and rappel in from the buildings and, you know, you know, provide security. And so, like, we did a, re- a lot of really good, awesome training. Um, with some of it, you know, like you asked, uh, it came over back into the infantry, you know, side of it. And none other of it was just like, you know, kind of went to the wayside, but. Right. You know, I'm very thankful looking back on it now that those guys were like, hey, just keep training, and get ready. You know, whatever is thrown at you, we would just want you to be ready. Right. Right. You mentioned Bahrain. I wanted to uh, ask you, did you deploy with uh, the, the FAST unit you were with uh, first or did you in, did you get the 3-6? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, first deployment was, um, you know, with FAST, like we left in – it was before Christmas of like 07. I remember uh, <laughs> there was like a Navy Santa running through the barracks rooms and 
you know, <laughs> passing out stuff and on Christmas Day. Um, but yeah, so we got there like in December. We stayed till like almost June of that year. Um, and you know, unquote, quote unquote, uh, for where it's at, it's considered a combat deployment, and that was why you know part of the Raz came to the fast guys was like. Oh, well, your first combat deployment was, you know, to Bahrain on a Navy base, blah, blah, blah. You know, and we got it. We got combat pay and all that when, you know, it's not necessarily dangerous in the uh, atmosphere you're truly in. But, you know, everybody is kind of stationed out there in preparation of something to happen. Right. What was the the situation there? Why was it uh, considered a combat zone? Well, so, I mean, like, that was, like, CENTCOM at one point and, uh, or, like, basically operating out of, you know, quote unquote, operating out of uh, Bahrain was at least for the fast team was if any embassy was hit within CENTCOM, we had 48 hours to basically spin up, get everything ready, go reinforce the embassy, uh, extract U.S. personnel until, you know, it was safe. Uh, Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. And how long were you there for? Uh, you know, seven, eight months, um, oh, not too long. And then, sh- and then shortly thereafter, basically, you know, we came home, um, started to kind of get ready to transition to go back into, you know, the fleet and regular infantry opportunities. Uh, yeah. How was, uh, how was getting to three, six when you showed up? How was that first day? <laughs> uh, it's funny. Um, I remember just kind of driving back into uh, Camp Lejeune, Jacksonville area. You know, I had been away for many years because um, obviously, you know, I went to SOI, Camp Johnson, um, graduated from there and got shot up to Virginia and spent all my time up there. But once you like, you start to hit this certain realm of going through like a new burn and whatever, you start to see all the Marine Corps uh, memorabilia and everybody's got yeah. on their cars <laughs> just like oh fuck man like i'm back ah uh, <laughs> here we are yeah, yeah. <laughs> for me it was always, kind of funny because uh... like oh, sorry, what was yeah. no no like yeah for you like uh, i was just saying like for us it was uh when we would land back at oaj and we were driving back you'd smell the swamp it would just flood your car no matter what you did <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like yeah that triggers like oh fuck i'm here <laughs> but uh, it was kind of funny because, like, I was riding, um, you know, with my, one of my boys from Fast. Uh, it's Corporal Gonzo. I'm sorry, it was, he was Corporal Gonzo by then. And um, we, we rode by Toby's, uh, you know, outside of Camp Johnson. And, so, you know, dances started noon. And so we were like, well, fuck, let's just uh, let's take a quick trip over and uh, <laughs> we'll go check in. <laughs> we'll go check in tomorrow. Uh, you know, we were a little early. And, um, I remember checking back into the fleet, dude. It was like a totally different experience. Uh, everybody's back in their alphas, and, you know, you got a couple little ribbons on and whatnot, but some dudes came back from, uh, you know, that little lead block, just fat as shit. So <laughs> I just kind of remember checking in with some of the other NCOs and the fucking Sergeant Major ripping ass on the one guy because he, he was, like, busting out of his fucking alphas like a <laughs> piece of shit. Oh, boy, here we go. Oh, but after that, it was uh, it was kind of funny because like um, I ended up going into uh, third platoon. You know, I, I got a, you know signed to India Company, and I just remember um, 
as I went to go check in with my new platoon, the platoon sergeant, I was like, I looked at him. I was like, damn, this motherfucker looks familiar. And he's got like, you know, my BRT, uh, you know, looking through all my shit. And, we, you know, we're kind of looking at one another. He's like, Corporal Primo. Yes, Staff Sergeant. And then, like, when I saw his name tag, it was Staff Sergeant, you know, Clay. I was like, holy fuck, this guy, he was actually my SOI instructor. Oh, really? Oh, dude, he used to give me hell in SOI. Oh, fuck. <laughs> what now, was that like? <laughs> oh, it was fun, dude. Um, you know, we became really good friends and whatnot, you know. But, yeah, SOI for me was, like, you know, it was kind of funny, too. But, you know, Clay, you know, he's also another battle-hardened vet. But, like, yeah, as I went to SOI, dude, he used to fuck with me at times. And I was just, like, you know, checking in. I looked down, and the guy who used to have hair is now, you know, bald head. And I was just like, yep, okay, now I know. <laughs> <laughs> but, dude, it, it was, it was like, uh, one of the best experiences, um, you know, having him. You, know, you see the transition going through SOI is like, you know, a private and a PFC. And then later on, and as you grow through your career, you know, coming up to the ranks and then that same individual, you know, basically takes you under his wing and, you know, starts to um, almost like groom you to become a platoon sergeant later on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And that's exactly what he did, man. Like, I was glad to have, you know, him there as my platoon sergeant for sure. Yeah, no, that absolutely. That's that's pretty cool. That's a, that's a whole other kind of type of different kind of connection between you two. Uh, yeah, and those dudes were wild back in SOI, bro. Like, yeah, I was gonna say, uh, I know. Uh, uh, I I heard stories of what SOI used to be like uh, back in the day during during the war, and versus what it is now, which is they're just kind of pushing kids through. But I know. Uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm sure you could talk all about it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, I, dude, I had to clean a fucking porter shitter one day. Um, <laughs> we had done a Lima 5 one evening, and, you know, you're we picking up brass, and this individual kept shining a light in my face. And um, I was like, look, motherfucker, you do it again, I'm going to fuck you up. <laughs> and next thing you know, of course, he does it again. And so I did, I, like, hit him with a roundhouse kick. And next thing I know, he starts to speak. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Uh, I just kicked one of the instructors. <laughs> and then fucking sat, well, he was a sergeant. And Sergeant Clay, Sergeant Phil come over. They start ripping to my ass. You know, the whole fucking night is fucked from there. And one of my other friends, Riley, who was also a fuck up uh, in SOI, <laughs> he had done some shit, you know, a couple days prior. So next thing I know, Oh, you know what it was? Uh, one of the SO excuse me, one of the SOI instructors was taking a shit in a Porter John, and Riley decided it would be a good idea to get a bunch of pine cones, and where the stovepipe is at top, he started to jump up and throw them down into the Porter shitter and just splashing all the blue oh gunk God. back up on the instructor. Oh, <laughs> oh a little menace. <laughs> Yeah, buddy. So, like, yeah, the next couple of days after, you know, I got into the little skirmish with the uh, SOI instructor that evening. Uh, we're picking out pine cones from the porter shooter, bro. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> so that was, yeah, <laughs> fun little experience of SOI. So, yeah, fast forward and back to the 3 6. When he saw you, like, when he recognized you, he was like, oh, you. <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, like, right off the rip, um, you know, Staff Sergeant Clay, um, he asked me, he, like I said, he looked at my BRT. Um, I had gone to DM school when I was with uh, 3-6. I'm sorry, uh, with 1F6. 
with a DM school up in Damn Neck. And, um, you know, going to stay was on the, you know, on the list, but you know, he asked me, he's like, do you want to be a squad leader? And a couple other guys that I checked in with ended up going to stay that I went to DM school with. And I was like, you know what? And I was like, I don't think I'm ready to be a squad leader yet, but I definitely want to come to the platoon. Um, and so I came to the platoon. I was with uh, third squad in the beginning. Um, and I started out as, you know, basically the, uh, the first team leader. And a little shortly thereafter, um, you know, my squad leader uh, came over. Um, and I believe he was going through the, uh, the Marsoc pipeline. It just something had happened and he kind of had to transition back over. But, um, you know, I, I started with him, you know, basically the whole entire workup until we went into Marsa. Mm. And what was it like in the platoon? How, uh, and, and how old were you at this point and like everybody else around you? Oh, fuck, dude. Um, I want to say, like, when we went into Mars, I was 20. Um, I was probably 19 going on. I think I hit there right about, like, 19 and a half going into, like, becoming 20. That's crazy. A squad leader of Marines. 20 years old. That's pretty crazy. What was the, what was the workup like uh, leading up into it? It was kind of like um, shoddy at times. Um, we truly didn't know where we were going, so we were just trying to do everything that we could, I guess, right, you know, to get spun up to either go. We thought we were going to Iraq. Um, it was kind of like shortly after right, I think we came back from like CACs, um in two thousand nine that we, you know, kind of got word that hey. Um, Basically, everybody was thankful. Like, we didn't want to go to Iraq. Nobody wanted to go to Iraq. I didn't <laughs> want to go to Iraq. Fuck Iraq. You know? Yeah. I everybody wanted to go to the battle space. Everybody, you know, Warriors Paradise. Let's go bang it out. And it just came through, man. And just worked out that way. I remember, um, like, walking back from HP 465, going to company office with uh, Steps on Clay. And basically, you know, it kind of got put on the line, like, hey, we had something happen with, uh, you know, so-and-so. He's no longer going to be the squad leader. You can either take it over or this individual is going to do it. And I just looked at him and was like, there's no fucking way I'm going to let that individual lead me into combat. I will take over the squad. Oh, yeah. That's how it went from there. So, when, at that point, how were you feeling, like, leading up into, uh, I guess once you guys figured out you were going to Afghanistan, you were going to Marja, how did you feel? Fucking scared, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was nervous. Now that, you know, it, to be honest, like, I'm fucking nervous. Um. Maybe not so much scared. I think more like in the beginning, just so fucking nervous, man. Like, am I going to be able to do this? Am I going to be able to, you know, look at all these families when I come back that I told I'm going to bring your son home? Like, you know, bit, like you're just nervous, bro. Yeah. And then it goes away. But in the beginning, like, yeah, I had no combat experience. Everything I had done was just like full on training. And so this was, you know, battle, we were basically baptism by fire. 
How did everybody in your squad feel? Honestly, I mean, I don't think anybody ever portrayed being scared. You know, you're you're amongst a bunch of fucking Marines, bro. You know, right. nobody's going to be like, oh, yeah, focal, you know, uh, like I'm a little worried. No, we're going to get through it, you know, but there's all, you know, obviously, you know, like they're looking at you and you're just deep down, you know, you got to muster it up. Right, right. And what did, so did you guys get super close before the deployment? Were you guys always hanging out together on in the off time or what was, uh, what was it kind no, of like in the barracks? not at all. Really? Dude, not at all. I'm not going to lie. Like for the most part, the guys that were with third platoon, like, especially when I first got there, we had some of the older Iraqi guys that were hanging out. I thought they were fucking salty as shit. And they just, you know, it is kind of how it is, but. In the beginning, dude, like, when the workday began, you would see me. And when the workday ended, I was fucking gone. I wasn't hanging out in the barracks. There wasn't any of that type of shit, you know? Like, I came to do my job, and I fucking left. I went home, you know? Not necessarily home. I just went and hung out with other NCOs that I knew from fast that we were kind of in our own subsection outside of these guys. Now, later on, obviously, you go through a combat deployment and... There's a lot more cohesion. Well, not even just the deployment, but, you know, through the workup and the training. But in the very beginning, dude, I was like, fuck that guy, fuck that guy, fuck that guy. That guy's cool, you know, kind of deal. Huh, okay. Sounds like the not too much has changed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got to look at it, man. We're all working with different type of personalities. Right, yeah. And so part of it, you know, for me is just kind of feeling it out, you know. Right. Right, definitely. What, uh... Especially, uh... Well, you know, coming over as a new NCO into a line platoon, that guys are kind of, you know, quote-unquote salty, especially without having a true combat deployment. Guys are looking at you like, you ain't shit. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. So that's where, you know, that part of, uh, you know, having, you know, the training that we did that could portray back over uh, was very helpful. Yeah, absolutely. I can imagine. Um... What, uh, what, what would, uh, I always ask people this cause I always wonder, uh, what, what was the barracks like? And like, were you guys allowed to have anything in your guys' rooms back then? Were you guys, what were like, what were people like doing in their off time? Oh, <laughs> uh, dude, um, dude, we got to be a little bit more, uh, <laughs> in the extent of like, what, what, what do you mean? Like what could guys have in their barracks? Like. Or, I mean, I don't know, because, like, we, we'd have flags hanging up and stuff, and we'd have, like, TVs in our rooms, and, like, some people were telling me, like, that was never a thing for them. No, I don't remember. So, I mean, we had TVs, but honestly, like, in the barracks, uh, it's booze, um, yeah. <laughs> liquor. We had guns, like, yeah. ammo. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Same type of stuff. Yeah, we would get these, like, quote-unquote health and comforts, and next thing you know, like, a, a mass text message would go out, and you're like, uh, squad leaders, go check on your guys. And, like, you know, back then, you know, there were times I'm like, oh, hey, um, I need to go put this in your truck, X, Y, Z, you know? So, like, it was a little <laughs> different then, but um, we also, exactly like, we all had leadership. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I remember you know a scout sniper uh, basically saying like, "Hey, if you don't have a thousand rounds on your you know your your rock, 
or basically you know where your bed is like you're doing something wrong yeah <laughs> oh yeah no we, yeah, shit was we a little different back the then. we did all the same stuff <laughs> <laughs> um so all right so i guess when you guys when were you guys kicking out to head out to marja um I think we ended up getting like a um, a Christmas block leave, and we left like shortly in like January thereafter. Um, I think that's like the time frame. That's kind of why I wanted you know uh, Jackson to hop on. I think he might try on to get on a little bit later, but oh, gosh, gotcha, you gotcha, Just yeah. wanted to make sure, yeah, timelines were going to be good to go. But I I, I think um, I, th- I think we pushed out around like January, and then um, we spent some time you know traveling. Bastion, Leatherneck, getting to Dwyer, and then from Dwyer working out with our Afghan counterparts and getting ready to go into Marza. Mm-hmm. And then, so when when you guys landed there, what was uh, what was the first thing that kind of I guess struck you about being there? Ah, uh, dude, it was just like you're especially hitting like Leatherneck. Everything's so big, dude. Like. You know, again, I, when I got into the Marine Corps, 17 years old, um, right. a lot of this, even when I was in the Marine Corps, even as a squad leader, like I was still, you know, I hate to say it, I was still a little naive. Like everything was still new to me. Mm. Like I had to learn on the fly for a lot of it. And so, you know, getting to this big major base where there's all these other counterparts and, um, you know, basically other teams working and doing things, man, like kind of like overwhelming, you know, to, in, in an extent. And did you guys know you were going specifically to Marja when you left there? Or did you know you were going to Afghanistan? That's it. No, we uh, we had a pretty good insight on uh, you know, where we were going, uh, especially when we got in the country. I don't know about prior. Um, I you know kind of remember it was just like, hey, we're going to Afghanistan. But um, I remember like once we got there, dude, once we started getting briefings, like maps exposed and you had generals in these little fucking tents, you know, showing us rock walks and stuff. Like, you, you're like, okay, yeah, this is, like, you know, almost felt like it was a little movie, you know, match the size of a, you know, living room or whatever. And, you know, they're doing walk rocks over, like, an aerial space photograph. And you're like, okay, yeah, this shit's legit, you know? Jeez, they had maps that were, like, that big. It was filling up the whole room. Basically, yeah. Um there was a point in time, basically all the uh, squad leaders and higher personnel, um, some of the attachments that, you know, might've been Lance corporals, but we're filling the roles of NCOs were in the room. You know, we went back through all these, uh, the C wire or whatever prior to it, but yeah, maps, like I'd never seen anything like it, dude. I felt like this was like an old black and white World War II movie. I'm doing a rock walk. You had generals in there and guys saying, Hey, you know, at this point in time, you know, the line of departure, they're going to be moving here, and this unit's going to be here, and go from there. Huh. That is crazy. What other kind of briefings do they give you guys? Um, You know, obviously, that was kind of at the higher end, and then you know, it gets broken down to company, from company back down to the platoon level. Platoon level gets, you know, divided into, hey, on this day, your objective, this squad is going here. You know, our main objective is to get to here, but yeah, it just kind of gets divvied out. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that makes whole, sense. That whole five-paragraph order, baby, just starts <laughs> to break down. And... 
you start getting ready to rock and roll. It all comes back to the five paragraph order. <laughs> Always, bro. <laughs> so once you guys Always. started uh, kicking out, from, I think you said you were at Camp The Wire. I, I'm I'm not too familiar with all the the base names. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, and honestly, I, I believe Camp The Wire was like our last base that I remember. You know, one because I came from the fast teams. Um, a lot of my friends we got divided between one six and three six. So a lot of my boys that were rocking one six were, you know, squad leaders down there or whatever, and they were already at Camp Dwyer waiting for us to get there. Um, they had been operating a little bit down toward Fiddler's Green, and uh, we're getting contact even in like January when they started to, you know, kind of put their um, leaders recon out there and start to figure out what was going on. So, you know, when I get to Camp Dwyer, I'm already talking to some of my homeboys that are, uh, you know, squad leaders for one six, and I'm like, Oh yeah, dude. These boys are already rocking and rolling. You know, we got a few more weeks to basically prep and get ready. Oh, so you guys did have a few weeks to uh, before you guys stepped out actually into Marja. Yeah, I think we had like a couple more weeks, I believe, at like Camp Dwyer just to make sure BZOs, you know, everything with the A and A troops were good to go. Started, you know, to figure out who our counterparts were, who we were going to be working with, and uh, you know, get ready to go into it. And how did you guys feel about the A and A? Dude, to be honest, um, the first guys that we got, um, I remember, I, th- I believe, yeah, they were from Coast, um, the province out there in Afghanistan. And this individual who ended up becoming, you know, my counterpart, uh, he was one of the commanders for the ANA, but he looked at me and his name was Amanullah. And fucking battle hardened dude, Mujahideen, fought against the Russians. You know, had battle scars, like, he was just a fucking warrior. But um, I remember, like, the first thing he ever said to me was that, like, I reminded him of his nephew really? and that he would make sure to watch out for me. And, dude, like, those first guys that we had going into Marja were fucking top-notch. Really? Um, huh. Yeah. And when I, like, when Amana Law and the rest of those guys left us, I mean, he gave me his contact info, you know, his cell phone. I'm like, I don't know how the fuck I'm supposed to call you, but, (laughs) (laughs) but there were, there were times like, you know, during the uh, invasion that I would go with my interpreter and some of my other team leaders, and we would just go and sit with Amana Law and some of his guys and just uh, basically break bread and, you know, sit down and bullshit and just try to, you know, have that one-on-one with one another, man. And so it was like, those man, those guys were fucking fantastic. And did they speak a lot of English, or was it all kind of through Terps? Basically, all through Terps, man. Um, mm. Some of them spoke Dari, some of them, you know, spoke Pashtu. But uh, my Terp, uh, Edris, he was, you know, phenomenal. And um, actually, I just spoke to him earlier today, and uh, he seems to be doing fairly well out in Greece, but. Uh, yeah, I was going to yeah, ask you that if you guys ever stayed in contact with each other. Um, dude, to be honest, like when we left, obviously there was no contact, and there was like this hidden rumor that Edgeris had gotten killed later on during a mission. Mm-hmm. So for like literally ten years, I thought he was dead. Um, and honestly, like within the past two years we've been in contact and yeah, obviously when you first see somebody again, like we were FaceTiming or, you know, whatever. And 
Oh yeah, it was it was emotional, man. Like I just, oh, you know, yeah. he did a I lot. He did so much for us, you know, while we were overseas in Afghanistan, and you know, it's just it, it was it was emotional. And how did they feel about everything? Oh man, it kind of stuck for them. You know, you gotta be honest. Like they're out there with the grunts, bro, living life like we did. Um, you know, getting pissed on by rain, hail, you know, it's fucking cold. We're digging fighting holes, you know, trying to evade contact. And I mean, I can't think of the experience for them is, oh yeah, this is great. I'm so glad I left Kabul to come out here and be a fucking translator, you know? Oh yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> but why, uh, why did they want to fight though? in the ANA, did they ever talk about that? Not necessarily. I don't think I ever really had that discussion aside from like, you know, it's an invading country that's here. And, you know, that's why, you know, Manala fought the Mujahideen, well, with the Mujahideen back then against the Russians. But uh, I guess when it came with the Taliban, they were just tired of the shit. Wanted to see a little bit of change. Huh. Did, did they ever, uh, did they think that that would pan out for them at some point, like in the future? That I'm not sure of to be honest with you, mm. you know, and I hate to, you know, kind of look back at it and think on it and, yeah, you know, cause you know, did it? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. That's, so that's, that was the tough thing of, of it all. It's like, what was this all for? You know? Right. I wanted to ask you that later on when we got to the very end of everything. Um, yeah. Yeah. So definitely let's uh, hang on to that one. But so when you got, you guys were talking with all these guys and starting to meet them and then, uh, when you started, I guess at some point, did you guys start to uh, push out all together? Because I remember uh, your platoon commander, when I was interviewing him, talking to him, he was saying how all these assets just continually kept coming to the platoon, and you guys ended up with, like, about 150 guys. Dude, it was so like crazy. That. Yeah, yeah, it was insane. Like, when we finally were like, hey, we're going to push out, um, we had all these attachments, dude. Like, I don't even know how able to keep up with everybody. Um, dude, I had like, you know, two combat engineers. We had EOD personnel. We had the ANA, you know, fucking platoon, Anglico, like all these, you know, Fist was out there, all these guys just attached to us. And we're like, all right, holy fuck, we got to start moving. Um, and yeah, that was, like, it was kind of difficult, I guess, in the beginning. Uh, when we first uh, left wire, I think that day was like February 6th where we actually touched down in the northern um, outskirts of Marja. And that was an interesting helo ride. I'd been on quite a few helos, you know, fast rope from them, repelled from them. I had never been in a fucking helo that had been, you know, within a combat zone uh, getting ready to drop you off. And as we started to uh, descend, I realized, I'm like, oh yeah, they're, uh, they're trying to get us out here very quickly. And I was, uh, you know, toward the back of the bird, as soon as they uh, they dropped us, you know, I got out and started the 360 and got all the Afghanis out there, you know, my squad at the perimeter. And then, um, you know, basically, third platoon's there, India company starts to, you know, all set in. And then I don't know how long we were there once, um, you know, all the assets were dropped off, but Shortly thereafter, we started receiving, uh, you know, rocket fire. A couple uh, 107 millimeter rockets started shooting overhead, and oh, so it was immediate. You guys ran right into contact. 
Yeah, I mean, like, obviously, you know, we're on the outskirts. It's not like, you know, truly immediate, but, like, once we started to kind of get settled in, and they, uh, I guess the enemy realized, like, hey, this is their position. They started, you know, trying to fire some shit mm-hmm. at us. Gotcha. How long did that last for? Was it uh, kind of just a quick little hit and run, or were they, like, really kind of hammering down on you guys? No, it's, um, it's kind of like their QRF. So, like, part of uh, before we even went in, this, um, I don't know, fucking secret squirrel kind of guy, but he walks in, bearded up, he's in our camis, and... He's like, don't worry about my name. Don't worry about my fucking rank. And he's got a, like a PowerPoint slide presentation. He's like, this is what's going on in Afghanistan. And so he had been there like a week prior, just kind of probing it with some Afghanis, like commandos. And um, basically we started to see like they have a QRF. Um, you know, they're going to bring these individuals up here. They're going to hit mortar fire. Uh, here's the fucking daisy chain IED lanes that we're looking at and kind of XYZ from there. Oh, that's crazy. All that they already had scoped out. It was dude. Like I said, man, like again, you know, I was a pretty young dude and seeing all this and this guy like, you're like, Holy fuck. What did I just get myself yeah, into? I was going to ask you like after all that and then this dude's run up to you giving you this whole brief, uh, what, what's going through your head at that point? Exactly that. <laughs> Holy fuck. <laughs> I should have listened to my dad. Oh man. <laughs> um, so from there I guess what what happened following that? Um, you know, so basically we're up there, we're probing the city, uh we're starting to uh, you know get, you know, basically a foothold, move a little bit a day, dig in, move in. And, you know, we just kind of continued that pace for, like, basically the next week. And, you know, we, as we got closer, we started to take a little bit of fire here and there. Um, but I, I think the worst part, dude, was, like, it was just, it was, it was fucking cold. Like, you know, the guys are miserable. Most of them packed light in a fucking day pack. They didn't have warming layers. You know, they're burning socks. We'd get a mail call. Guys are like, fuck the mail, burn that shit, let's stay warm. You mm-hmm. know, Gunny would drop off fucking a box of MREs and we're like, yeah, we're not even fucking hungry. Throw all the MREs in the fire, you know, kind of deal. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so, like, you know, by the time, like, the guys are ready to fucking go, like, they were chomping at the bit. They were like, let's fucking do this. Like, right. tired of this, you know? Right. How many days of it was that? Just uh, the the whole because I think uh, your platoon commander he he mentioned that that whole phase was called like the shaping phase or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, they called it shaping. Um, I remember it was February thirteenth, about zero three hundred in the morning, and the only reason that date reminds me of anything is it's my mother's birthday. Oh wow. Okay. And so you know, roughly about like zero three hundred, all the boys are online. Nobody's sleeping. It's so fucking cold. They're all huddled up to one another. Uh, we're taking turns. We're leaving them, you know, online to go back to the fucking fire pit of, you know, whatever trash we're burning to go get warm for a little bit. And uh, Cobras came on station. I think about like zero four thirty, and they started hitting, uh, you know, targets within the city. And I just kind of remember, you know, I looked up to the sky and I was like, happy birthday, mom. And then shortly thereafter, we started making our way into it. Oh, wow. Really? So that just got real at that point? You guys were in the city? Yet? Yeah, once, uh, you know, once those uh, fucking Cobras came station, shut, you know, hitting 
you know, pre-dead targets. And then EOD was up front. And we were under nods. Like, everything's like, you know, it's 0-4, dark 30. Um, I was up front with uh, EJ and Gunny Pate. I'm sorry, Gunny Pate is EJ. Um, I was up front with him and um, Johnny Morris. Um, and they were leading the way, uh, scanning, you know, basically for IEDs. And, um, you know, kind of going back to the ANA, dude. You know, you got 40 of them trying to pray right now. We're trying to hit a line of departure, no. you know, start moving to the city. And oh, you're having to disrupt, yeah, disrupt their prayer. And you're like, yo, motherfucker, it's, it, you got to go. Like, yeah, I, you know what I mean? So right. that was kind of part of it. And then, um, you know, as we, you know, started to work south, um, you know, things started to kind of get a little hairy thereafter. Were, were the, uh, were the ANA worried about anything happening? Because I, I almost wonder if the Taliban, they were all sitting there praying too at that time. <laughs> or do you think oh, they, fuck. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, hell, I, I was praying, you know, and myself, you know, so. Right, right. I think we were probably all on the same plane of like, hey, this shit's <laughs> happening. Yeah. Say your last prayer. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. Uh, what? So. Where were you guys, were you guys in like the, I keep forgetting where each company was at in the part of the city. Um, but yeah, just, uh, I don't so, know like our talking. objective was to hit, um, you know, it's kind of crazy. I actually still have, uh, the map oh, um, really? from when, yeah, when I was in Mars and I like, there's like, you know, the marker and the permit, you know, it's kind of like, you know, grayed out over the years but like mm. still had like objective one objective two and some of the msrs and the names that you know when we were there but um our objective was basically get down toward that canal and uh, secure the foothold so we could get engineers down there to build the bridge and push it across so we could make a you know get into the city oh there wasn't a bridge or anything for you guys to get in there oh no buddy there was this big ass fucking canal and really? um yeah, the only way for us to get across was basically combat engineers coming in, building a little footbridge. And a couple of those dudes got shot in, you know, the process of trying to build it and push us across. Yeah, I was going to say, I was going to ask you how uh, how did that whole situation go with them having to, I imagine, do that like right in the open. Yeah, that was in the open. I mean, uh, you know, prior to us even getting down there, um, you know, we started to... You know, Johnny and uh, EJ were, you know, sweeping for IEDs. And as we got closer, um, you know, toward the city, um, we started hitting some compounds and whatnot. And I remember, Jesus, uh, myself and um, Steps on Clay actually uh, rolled into uh, one of the compounds, you know, kicked the door in, and, you know, we did a quick uh, sweep of it. And there was like five... Um, glasses of hot chai on the carpet mat that were still steaming mm. and uh, clay looked over at me and he's like hey rocco they're they're still close man they yeah. roger that so uh my first team by uh lance couple garcia i was like hey need you go push south on this um you're basically a little cordon on this building and dude honestly no bullshit Saw the fucking uh, the T, you know, hit on Black Com for fucking Garcia to start pushing south. And once those boys started getting across, uh, it's just all open field, you know, at that point. 
Oh, geez. They're fucking getting lit up, you know, a few minutes later by a fucking, you know, machine gun bunker, you know, 450 meters away. And there's like, you know, dual supporting position, just fucking rocking and rolling. Oh, damn. That is crazy. And how, how yeah, far was, was this the, bridge uh, I had to build? Or I guess how far across uh, was it? I don't know the actual length of it. Um, it took us a, quite a bit to actually get down there, you know, to actually secure that little northern little sector before we could get toward the canal. Mm. Huh. Okay. Yeah, that's. It took that's us some time. Cool. Like, yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't know how long that firefight was. That um, you know, that basically that was kind of what initiated everything that uh, India company was, you know, had going on at that point in time. And, uh, like all assets got brought to that. I remember second platoon coming up. Um, I was trying to get to the guys, I was trying to get to Garcia and, um, you know, all those boys that were stuck out there in the middle. And, um, Clay was with me. I looked back at Clay. I was like, Hey, I'll see you when I see you. Started running out there to the guys in that fucking open middle field. And, start to realize that whole fucking video if i'm up i'm seeing me they down you know i'm down starts to come into play <laughs> right yeah yeah no, um, i can imagine <laughs> holy yeah shit. rounds are skipping around you and you know at that point in time my whole focus was i need to get closer to my guys so i can start to figure out how i can bring all the assets that you know we just talked about bring them into the fight and um Dude, I remember thinking, I was like, this is fucking stupid. I'm going to get shot today. Oh, let me get down. All right, stand back up. Run. This is fucking stupid. <laughs> you know? <Right>. Um, <laughs> started to get, but, you know, once I got close enough, um, I radioed in to my boy, uh, Field, and he brought the machine gunners up, and machine guns got on fucking target, started rocking. And then uh, I got Jackson on the fucking hook and, you know, shot the azimuth and, you know, distance the target. Jackson, you know, started spinning all that up and you know, a couple of F-18s dropped out of the fucking sky, hit a couple gun runs on it, and we just, you know, kind of started moving from there. Damn, that's pretty badass, you know, fucking airstrikes. Um, yeah, I'd never, uh, never seen anything like that in my life, dude, but... Uh, oh, really? You talking... No, fuck no, dude, and also, like, you know, seeing it that close in fucking combat, like, yeah, that whole war boner fucking thing really... Uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty badass. <laughs> I can imagine. The only time we saw uh, airstrikes was uh, doing when we were in ITX in 2018. I remember they had jets flying around. But yeah, dude, when they fucking get on station and they drop out, and you know, you just hear what kind of sounds like a fucking loud fart, you know, through the sky. <laughs> man, he was a you know, like, oh, oh man, that's yeah, that was fucking sick. <laughs> did they bug out of there real quick after that or were they still kind of sticking it out i mean honestly like you know two of them dropped in hit a couple gun runs and then i don't remember them really staying on station after that uh, i meant more um, like the taliban all i remember oh yeah taliban was still rocking and rolling we oh, hadn't really? made you know uh yeah we hadn't caught you know crossed the canal yet mm. okay so there was yeah there's still a little bit more to come um but, dude, honestly, after that little, well, not little, but, you know, after that initial firefight, um, we found a place and we took a nap, dude. Like, 
Yeah. <laughs> we were fucking exhausted. <laughs> I believe it. That sounds draining. Running through an open field, getting shot at the whole way. That is definitely crazy. What uh, what'd you guys end up uh, doing from there? Um, you know, we started to you know get a little bit closer. Angle Co. Um, I just remember, you know, it's kind of weird, but it's like you know, it's a little slideshow of memories. But um, I like we finally got down toward the canal, and I just remember there was like this big berm that was built. Um you know, by the engineers and the fucking Anglico gunny was on the 50 cal, you know, mounted up in, you know, their vehicle. And he's just fucking rocking into the city, bro. Just pop, 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 And I'm like, okay, well, you know, he's got it going on. I'm sitting there basically talking to my squad and, and like, I look over and there's, um, there's this Afghani soldier and like, we kind of make eye contact and I see he's got like his M14, and it's kind of like pointed down, you know, toward his foot. And I look back, and you know, I'm talking to my team leaders, and I look back, and this dude pulls the fucking trigger, and he shoots himself in the foot. What and this the is fuck? like during the invasion. Uh, yes. So he shoots himself in the foot, and there's like this fucking three feet of blood spraying into the goddamn oh, air. Geez. And the look on his face is like, you know, like, it looks like he's constipated, just all in anguish. And I'm just like, yeah, did you not think it was going to hurt? Yeah, what the fuck? (laughs) The fuck are you thinking? And I looked at, uh, I felt bad for fucking uh, one of my other team leaders, Haas. I looked at Haas, I gave him the fucking, uh, you know, basically the CLS kit, the combat lifesaver kit. I was like, here, you take care of this. I'm going to start to get on the fucking radio. And dude, I tried to get the guy a fucking nine line, but we were like literally the gunnies on top of the fucking city cow shooting in the goddamn city. There's still rounds going overhead. We have like we can't get clearance for air. Right. <laughs> and so this fucking asshole, like who just shot himself in the fucking foot. Um. Well, hey, guess what, buddy? He didn't get fucking evac for another like three and a half, four hours though. Really? Yeah, he was just yeah. So that blood. was kind of like I. Yeah, it just fucking, well, obviously, you know, once you got the, yeah, I got everything, you know, controlled, but yeah, in the beginning, dude, I was like, yep, that shit's fucking just juicing out, okay. <laughs> did, did he have, like, like, a like, look on his face, so like, oh, I'm fucking retarded, and, like. It was more so, like, oh, I didn't think that was gonna hurt, you know, kind of <laughs> deal. <laughs> that is wild, oh my god. Yeah, so that was like, you know, how I remember going from that transition of, hey, we just had this big-ass fucking firefight trying to, like, get into the city, and then, like, we're finally going in the canal area, and uh, this asshole shoots himself. Right. (laughs) But then we had the whole platoon came down there, and um, we started to kind of, like, work to get that way, and then finally, you know, we did get our foothold into the city. I was going to say, at this point, uh, when you guys were starting to like push like into the city, how far were the engagements happening from? Uh, so, like, that first one, you know, was probably about 450 meters out. Um, some of them were a little bit closer. I'd say probably 100, 200 meters, but they were more so, like, um, you know, we had guys on security, and somehow these, you know, fighters in the city had... Um, you know, gotten some suppressed rifles really? and they were shooting. Yeah, dude, they were shooting at our guys and like we had to try and locate, but 
it, it was like this whole fucked up thing where, you know, we had these attachments of like Fox News, CNN, all these guys like started to come with us uh, oh. as we got closer. Um, and so when we finally, like I got pushed out. So my guys got pushed out. We knew where these guys were shooting at us from. We were still not across a canal. But we had security set up, and then you had two, um, you know, middle-aged males come out of this compound, and they're just fucking waving at you. And, I mean, like, you could have easily engaged them, and common sense will tell you that these were the same motherfuckers that were just shooting at me. Right. But I cannot do anything um, because of, you know, X, Y, Z. And not even that, like. It's just like some of the rules of engagement were just not in our favor. Like, you know, we drop leaflets off or, you know, I didn't personally, but, you know, military personnel drop leaflets off um, prior to us going into there. You know, families evaded everything else. But it's one of those things, man. It's like, you know, do I take the shot or do I not? Yeah, I was going to ask you if there was uh, a lot of civilians still left there, if it was just people pretending to be uh, civilians. In the beginning, it was like, you know, especially when we got into it, there was still a little, you know, a couple little families, you know, here or there, and they started to come back in and, you know, as, you know, time surpassed. But in the beginning, no, there wasn't that many, to be honest. Mm, okay. And then was the city, uh, when you guys start did start going into the city, had these guys kind of taken, you know, what was left of it since nobody was there and just turning everything into booby traps? Like were there IEDs everywhere and like every street corner type of thing or? Uh, yeah, dude, fucking, uh, route Joanne, route Joanne was fucking the IED lane, dude. Mm. Um, you know, there were daisy chains out in the Sistani desert. Um, it just, it seemed like the constant battle was always IEDs. Uh, thankfully, we didn't get exposed to many of the DFCs, the you know, directional fragment charges. Um, a couple dudes that you know ripped with us, or not with us, but one six and two six. Um, a couple of their squad leaders got hit with those um, prior to their guys coming into country. But mostly, it was just like personnel IEDs and just like they were just trying to disrupt the convoys coming through. Um, I'm not gonna lie to you, man. Like none of my guys ever hit an IED. And thankfully, we were just lucky. I uh, I listened to the guys. If we thought things were sketchy, we would just convert. I might throw a Kim stick at it and say, hey, EOD, can you come check this out later on? But, dude, I try to stay off the beaten path as much as you know, possible. Right, right. And I paid off in the long run. What were your guys' biggest uh, giveaways that would make you think there was an IED in the road? Uh, stacked rocks. Um, that was, you know, tended to be a giveaway, uh, little ant trails that kind of like creeped across, um, just honestly, just little disruptions within, you know, the regular earth was just, you know, for me, I'm like, that doesn't look, that looks man-made, you know what I mean? So let's go around it. It's always safer to go around than go through. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely for sure. For sure. It might take longer. It might suck. You might have to go through some canals. You might have to go through, you know, the fucking the mud and all that shit. But how how much time be- would that add sure. on 
to everything. Like usually, like we're, we've got a constant. <laughs> like you're constantly we're deviating from. Uh, I guess you're like intended. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Usually, um, there was never really like a point A to B. I guess in Afghanistan, or at least in Marsha, there was always canals to cross, muddy terrain. Um, one morning, um, snipers had you know shot a target, and we had to go do the BDA on it, and. Next thing I know, we're fucking crossing three or four canals to get there. Guys are falling in because they have MVGs on and can't understand the depth perception as they're, you know, trying to jump across. And, you know, when we finally get there, it's like, you know, sunlight. But it just kind of is what it is. It, you know, adds on a little bit. But So this was still again, that... Oh, uh, so so this was still that that whole prior. So you guys have been going for for like a whole day straight through the night now. Um, you know, at times we would push out two, three in the morning. Um, it just kind of depended on what, you know, the platoon or you know battalion wanted. But mm, gotcha. there were times, um, yeah, we push out for like a you know night op zero two in the morning, or we might go and snatch somebody up at you know three in the morning. Those were always fun. Yeah, were those uh were you guys doing that with SF guys or No, no, it was just us. Um Really? They had you guys remember, just doing straight um, grades? Yeah. Uh Jackson was with me on one of them. Um and you know, we had to be by the books, but like we couldn't hit it. We couldn't hit the target until this amount of time or whatever. Hmm. Um and we had you know, traveled fairly far that evening to get to, you know, that, uh, that target package. But yeah, dude, I mean, there were times we just say, Hey, you need to go check this out. These are the individuals we're looking for and round up everybody kind of bring them back. Huh? Okay. That's pretty crazy. Cause we, we were almost, when we were getting taught how to do raids and stuff, it was like, yeah, you're being taught this, but like, it's like, if, you guys have to go do this. It's a very, very, very bad situation. <laughs> like, like all of soft. <laughs> I died. mean, dude, but like, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't know all the ins and outs of it. I just, you know, I, I was at the yellow schoolhouse, and then you know, at times on my cot there would be like a little, kind of like a little Manila folder, and it's like a, and this is who we're looking for, and. uh Couple times I think we got lucky, and but they were always like they were fun for me because the guys had gotten very good at being elusive and they were quiet. Really, and you know, yeah, dude, like you could be just like in there and looking at somebody sleeping, but you're just hovering over them with MVGs, and you're like, okay, well, now it's time to wake them up. No shit, you guys were that quiet. You're just walking right into their bedrooms. Yeah, good, bro. That's insane. That's fucking cool. <laughs> that's wild. I'm sure that's a wild way to wake up. <laughs> yeah, I think that's part of too. Like, <laughs> you know, that kind of like portrayed over in my civilian life. I'm like, I remember what we used to do to people. I'm like, <laughs> you uh, know, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of yeah. It's a little different, but yeah. Oh yeah, no, I can imagine. You mentioned earlier that you guys were with reporters. Uh, you had like CNN, Fox News attached to you guys. What um, what were they like having to kind of 
I, I imagine almost like babysit these guys. Uh, sort of. Um, I, you know, uh, again, like I said, you know, when I first got to the, you know, um, the platoon, I was still a little, I guess, on the outskirts. And even like when we were in, Af- in Afghanistan, excuse me, at times I would just take my guys and, you know, during the invasion, I would take my guys and, you know, ask Jackson, like, hey, can I just go do an OP overwatch over here? And I would always displace us, like, from everybody. I don't, I don't, mm-hmm. I just, I didn't like being with the main component. Um, and so, that being said, uh, what was the question? Uh, just how, like, how these reporters were, like, how, what it was like having to work with them. Yeah, and so kind of in the same aspect, um, you know, I was just kind of distant with them. Um, right. Especially in the beginning, we, um, you know, had these guys. So I always started, you know, be a little bit distant with them and, you know, they would attach, but I would never try to get too friendly. Mm. We had um, a couple guys that came from like the Marine Corps Times and I'm, I'm friends with one of those individuals now and he's, you know, continued and, you know, done very well uh, since then. But even in the beginning, I was just like still a little distant. Um, I just didn't know how to, you know, take all of that. And, right. you know, we would be out and, you know, they would attach and we go out into, you know, a patrol. And it always seemed like a lot of the guys that wanted to pop their cherry would try to do to um, attach to a, one of our patrols because it just seemed like you know, our guys were always getting into something. Huh. And uh, it just so happened to be one of those patrols that, uh, you know, the Marine Times, you know, they, they got wind of or whatever, but. Yeah. It wasn't too bad. Uh, like you said, or... you kind of had to babysit them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> were they were they there with you guys for the whole deployment, or were they only there for a part of it? No, just little segments. Um, I guess what happened was, like, they'd come in, and they say, hey, I want to go to the shittiest place you guys got. And then they're like, okay, cool. You're going to the Yale Schoolhouse. <laughs> <laughs> and then they would come down to us and we're like, hey, how are you? This is how we're living life right now. Oh, geez. Huh. Yeah, that must be weird. They're like aliens coming to watch you. Yeah, because, I mean, these guys got internet. You know, they got sat phones. You know, you're, you're like, you see them on their shit, and you're like, all right, motherfucker, I've been out here, you know four or five months, haven't talked to nobody, like, you get kind of jealous and kind of, like, you get, like, a little bit of hatred towards them, I yeah, guess. I can almost extent, imagine. But... Yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> these guys are calling back home every day. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. What, um, so, I guess at this point, you guys are, are in the city. Didn't you guys, uh, were you, you guys were in, like, fobs, right? You guys kind of set it up or whatever? So, okay, well, yeah, we can get into that, too. Um, so, 3-3, my guys, um, we call ourselves the Forgotten Bastards. Uh, the reason for that is when India Company started moving over from Marja towards Sistani, you know, we were all hanging out in Sistani for a little bit, and then they were going to start to build um, the new company FOB up there, Yazi. But they had to send a couple different squads out to maintain, you know, soon to be built fobs. So it was like my squad and one squad from 2nd Platoon, uh, Sergeant Sabera's squad, 
and we got pushed out from India and had to go over back toward the northern position of Marja and like secure this fob. Just and to be squad? honest, dude, like it, yeah, it was two squads. Oh, okay. We had some like fucking um, like MMP attachments or MP attachments, um, some um, civil affairs guys, and cop. And I don't know if we, I don't remember if we had ANA or not. But, uh, but again, like we got pushed away. So we kind of like felt like little bastard children, you know? Mm, yeah. And that's kind of how we were, dude. Like it was kind of like Lord of the Flies out there for a bit, dude. We had no logistics. Um, we didn't have, you know, with the green gear, we didn't have secure fill. Um, so every time we would go to key in to make a fucking, you know, transmission, we would lose fill. So basically all transmission were through black gear. Um, and then at one point in time, dude, like it's kind of like one of those worst case scenarios, but there was a fucking family on a tractor that hit an IED. Now we got a mass cas at our fucking, you know, pause. They're bringing all these fucking dismembered family members up there. We're doing, you know, CLS, all the, you know, got the docs up there. And the only way we can call in a nine lines off of fucking sag gear. Really? The ship there was, yeah, shit was fucking, it was crazy for a bit, dude. And thankfully, like, we didn't get hit hard. We, like, things had kind of settled down after that initial push. But thankfully, nobody, like, you know, the Taliban didn't realize how fucking insecure we truly were. It was fucked, dude. Like, we were stealing fucking chow off of, like, convoys that would roll through, you know, because we just didn't have the logistics. Nobody was giving us the fucking shit we needed, dude. That's insane. And the... We played a lot of volleyball, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. So, how did you guys get water and stuff? It's, you guys were just—you guys were just kind of jumping these convoys, I guess. Yeah, I mean, like we jumped some convoys, and then like we started to get a little bit, you know, here and there. But um, honestly, it was a uh, platoon sergeant that they finally sent to us. Um, he came from weapons, uh, Staff Sergeant Frida, and. Dude, thankfully, he came over and he started to get, you know, everything back in line because, you know, we got a bunch of fucking hooligans running amok, yeah. you know, out there in the Lance Corporals and, you know, you know how it is, bro. It's quickly devolving. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude, it goes to shit. It's like Lord of the Flies, like I yeah. said, man. <laughs> so, you know, he came back over, put the hammer back down and, uh, you know, things were rocking and rolling from there, thankfully. But with, with you know, the... In, the, in the beginning, when we first got there, dude, it was fucking... Like it was wild. Oh yeah, I believe it. It sounds wild. <laughs> that not that nine line you guys called on a sat phone. Who did you call? Like it like. <laughs> so it was the uh, you know basically CAD guys that were you know attached with us had to call their command over at God knows what fucking name fob that they're at and start to spin it up from there. But mm, okay, it worked out that we got two Black Hawks on station. You know, my fucking doc was treating this one lady with bilateral rising, um, you know, got a needle T in her and, you know, got her squared away. But, mm. yeah, that shit was pretty wild, dude. And you guys, so you said that they, they hit an IED and then I guess they just brought you brought them. But I always, I kind of heard that unless it was like U.S. cause that they didn't really help these guys. But I don't know. I guess, I guess clearly it's not a, every single situation, but. Uh, you guys did. You guys were able to take care of them, though. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, unfortunately, um, I don't know if they, I don't know if all of them survive, but, you know, like, we're always going to give some type of care, either, right. you know, combat and whoever it is, man. Like, it's just, that's what we do. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. And then, so this, so how did you guys, what what ended up happening to to that place? Did it end up becoming like a normal Bob after that once your, your gunny had come in? And yeah, yeah, it did. Out? I know we've kind of hopped around a little bit. Yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, so, I got all these random yeah. questions. <laughs> no, it's on me, man. I'm, I'm bouncing around. But um, so, yeah, what ended up happening later on was finally um, second platoon um, ended up taking over. Um, that was called Moose Knuckle. <laughs> ended up becoming Moose Knuckle. And then uh, third platoon, we shot over between Camel, um, which from Moose Knuckle, I don't know how ever many clicks um, east of it it was, but you know they took a northern position up there, and then we split the platoon from having basically like two squads down at uh, the eight six off of the MSR Hippo, um, so that like. The MSR Hippo, you had Camel, and then, you know, further on down was basically where we established the Yellow Schoolhouse. And we would operate, you know, two squads out of each uh, patrol base and rotate them back every few weeks. Hmm. Okay. Huh. And it was that kind of, did that just become, uh, I guess, the, the norm for the rest of uh, the time there? Was it just this constant... Uh, rotating in and out. Yeah, that's uh, that's basically. I mean, honestly, I hated being being at Camel. It was up, um, you know, toward the desert area. There was like no vegetation. It was just hot as fuck, dude. Mm. Um, and like it was just it sucked to be up there. Yellow Schoolhouse was cool, but there was a lot of shit going on down there. Yeah, I believe it. I believe it. Did it ever slow down at any point, or was it always just this constant? Uh, or I guess what what was it like going on? Uh, I guess how how often was were you guys getting into contact? Uh, so in the beginning, like you know, obviously when we first got there and actually pushed in, you know, started doing the invasion, it was pretty mm-hmm. kin- pretty kinetic. Um, for a little bit afterward. Um, probably like, let's see, we did that in February. I guess around like mid-March to April kind of slowed down. Um, there really wasn't as many ticks, you know, going on. We might get a little, you know, pop shot here and there. Um, and I mean, that happened. We were like, I, when I was at Camel, I'm sorry, not Camel, uh, Moose Knuckle, you know, there was like one time I remember the guys getting into a little firefight and, we had gone down uh, quite a ways, and I just remember my buddy, the same guy who was my machine gun attachment uh, that helped me out during the push. He's like, yeah, Rock, we're going to get into a firefight today. And I'm like, no, we're not. He's like, I'll bet you a case of beer. I was like, all right. Fucking sure enough, dude, as we start to fucking, you know, RTB, start to come home. We start taking fucking shots. So it's like, okay, yeah, you're right. And the craziest thing, dude, is like, 
looking back on it now, you know, the guys are starting to move. A and A are fucking actually on par. These are the same guys that we had, you know, during the invasion. You know, they're fucking shooting and maneuvering, like pretty fucking cool to watch, you know. Mm-hmm. I fell down in this fucking canal and I couldn't get out. And um, I remember, you know, Lance Corporal Erdy looked down at me and he helped pull me out of it. You know, I'm talking on the radio, whatever. And Erdy takes stack on this compound we're about to fucking hit. So I got, you know, I'm ready. I'm, I'm rolling two in the stack. Corporal Field looks over at me. He's got a grenade. He's like, yo, I'm going to chuck it. I'm like, all right, roger that. Go. He throws a grenade, a grenade fucking, you know, goes off. We make entry into this compound. And as I, you know, go hit the fatal front, start to swing to the right, this whole fucking family just comes out, dude. And my heart dropped. I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Like, you know, we had just started getting hit from this compound. Yeah, dude. I was like, everything in my mind is like, oh, that little extra stripe I just had. It's about to go. <laughs> but uh, thankfully, you know, none of the family members were hurt. But you just, like, it's kind of one of those things, man. Like, you thought yeah. the day was going to go one way, and no, it's going to be a little different today. Yeah, it goes completely sideways. That is crazy. But that was Marza, bro. That was, like, and after, like, you know, we started getting May, June, July, dude, August, like, it was so fucking turned up, man. Like it was, it, it was like, I felt like I kind of even stepped foot outside of, you know, our compound within a hundred meters without getting fucking shot at, dude. Did they have an estimate for how many, uh, Taliban fighters they thought were in the area? Dude, I think they said in the beginning, maybe a couple thousand. I don't know. It, I, I couldn't tell you, man. But there was yeah. definitely fucking a couple hundred. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. For sure. That's crazy. And then what? how many Marines and ANA were there? And I don't know if there was uh, coalition forces there either. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, we never saw them on a regular, but there was, like, you know, ISAF, you know, fucking Canadians and Brits and whoever else were on the outskirts of Marja that were a part of this whole, you know, NATO thing, but hmm. most of them we never saw. Huh. And, and to be honest, like half the time, only other people we ever saw were just either other Marines. Like I would run into, you know, buddies of mine from one six, if we pushed into their AO or it was just like fucking, you know, army psyops guys. Huh. And what were the psyops guys there to do? Or were they just interrogating POWs or? Uh, dude, no, honestly, it's kind of funny. Like, um, dude, I don't know how many people can ever say that, but like, we got to invade a fucking city, kicking in doors and everything, and we were partying to fucking um, Miley Cyrus party in the USA. <laughs> that they were just blaring music, and you know, psyops are blaring oh, music, propaganda, like the whatever city? the fuck it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. they were just bumping my that song. Yes, dude, that's like, I mean, that's why I have such a love for Miley Cyrus. That's um, hilarious. You know, we, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, dude, we were kicking indoors doors <laughs> the fucking party in the USA, bro. The final stronghold of the Taliban, all these fucking 
fighters and international hardcore fighters and they're just getting fucking trolled while fucking being invaded that's insane <laughs> that that is wild <laughs> um what else would they uh oh sorry what were you saying oh no i mean and again they uh, so like you know their mission you know kind of disrupt things um you know, while they were there, the first PSYOPs guy that we had was fucking, I, th- I think he spent too long in country. This dude was fucking whack, bro. Mm. Uh, he used to carry around a little Billy goat and what the I don't fuck? know. He, like I said, man, he, he had just been there too fucking long, but uh, <laughs> the second goat? batch of guys that, uh, yeah, it was weird. It was, a, I don't even, I get you. Remember how I said, I kind of like displaced like certain people and you know, whatever. So like that was definitely one of them. Hmm. Just kind of kept the distance on that, but um, yeah. now the second group of guys that we got were fucking. They were they were spot on, dude. And um, I became That's very good friends with one of the other guys, and he ended up going uh, SF later on. But uh, yeah, those dudes were fun. You know, we had I don't know fucking intel guys that were down there with us that we have to take them out at night to go talk to individuals within the fucking town to get a little bit more intel. Like we couldn't take them out during the day, obviously, but. Mm. And would people actually kinda, uh, yeah, talk to you kinda... or talk to them? Yeah. I mean, dude, we'd go out at night. He'd spend two, three hours with these individuals, you know, I don't know how much of it was bullshit, but. Mm. Yeah. That's wild. Uh, what, what was that other part you were mentioning though? Uh, which, which part? Um, uh, I think I thought you were saying something. <laughs> My bad. Um, but I guess, uh, from, uh, from there, what was, uh, going on? Uh, basically at the yellow schoolhouse, man. Um, we were just trying to push the, uh, push the fighters out of that, uh, that region. I mean, I spent time up north at Camel with my guys and, you know, there's another squad that was down there at the schoolhouse and like, it felt like, you know, the initial things that we had done had kind of secured a good foothold down there. But when I came back down about a month or so later, like they regained that foothold, um, and so it was like I had to, you know, my guys were just like refighting to establish that extra 500 meter perimeter, you know. Really? And was it this? Uh, was that and happening it, constantly? Was it constantly back and forth for uh, different spots or whatever? I don't know necessarily about other uh, battle spaces. Um, you know, I, I can't really say on that spectrum. I knew there were hot spots that. You know, if I went to, like, we're definitely getting in contact today. You know what I mean? Right. And so, to be honest, like, we hit those places, you know, pretty frequently and pretty hard. Um, but it just felt like uh, the same team effort wasn't going on at times. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. That's definitely... And so, you know, we'd come back down, have to clean some things up and you know, kind of go back to work, but Hmm. that's what the guys wanted to do. You know, like I can't take that away from them by any means. Like every time we pushed out on patrol, the boys, like 
they wanted to fight. They were ready for a fight. And uh, I was like, all right, well, let's position ourselves and do what we have to do to make that happen, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so at this point, what where are we kind of at in the deployment? Is this kind of going into uh, April now or... Yeah, going toward more like, uh, you know, the May-June time frame of where things are starting to kind of heat up quite a bit more. Um, Things are getting fun, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yellow Schoolhouse. Yeah, uh, you know, here's like a funny story here. Um, Yellow Schoolhouse, you know, we're down there living and um, you get tired of MREs, obviously. Oh, I can imagine. (laughs) And so we're kind of like basically living off of the land, you know, if you will. So, you know, we got a guy that will go to Lush Karga in the morning to get his ice. You know, I got a guy for chickens. Um, I had a guy for, you know, cell phones, you know, which oh, really? we shouldn't have had. But <laughs> again, we shouldn't have had, but like I needed that morale for my guys. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah, no. Uh, so, yeah, so, you know, I, I did that for them. But, yeah, we're things are heating up for sure. And um, <laughs> that being said, like, it was kind of funny. Like, there's this one day where <laughs> one of the, uh, I'll just say higher-ups fucking hits me up, and he's like, yo, Corporal B, um, the Afghanis just left, like, 200 pounds of fucking potatoes over there in a sack outside of this uh, marketplace. Oh, and, and, you know, for me, it's it's like, okay, roger that. So I get the guys, it's like a full moon, and we're all slick. You know, we get our fucking weapons, but we're basically hopping out of the compound and going over here, and we're going to steal a bunch of potatoes because we're yeah. hungry. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I remember, you know, we get over there, we evade. You know, because the Afghanis are on uh, post, but they don't have MVGs. So, like, we're, you know, tucking through the shadows and just trying to be quiet and get over there. So we get over there. And we, like, there's four of us that go to, like, start to, like, kind of lift this, you know, six-foot sack up. And we're like, holy fuck, this thing's heavy as shit. (laughs) So, like, two more guys come across. And so we, like, start to bring it down the road. But the only way to cross the canal to get back into the the compound is this, like, um big log that you know we had to where the guys could get in and it was like uh, it kind of reminded me of like when i was in boot camp and you had the obstacle you know and you got to figure out how do we get this across on the crucible <laughs> and so like we have like four marines on this fucking log and we're like kind of scooting along and butt scooting these fucking sack of potatoes across the log over this canal we finally get it to the other side Lift it over the fucking yellow schoolhouse wall, get it dropped over. We shimmy all the guys back over. I'm like, all right, fine, fuck, we're good to go. And and the funniest shit, dude, like, my, uh, he ended up becoming one of my team leaders later on um, in Afghanistan, but it was like out of a you know, comic. He's under uh, this sandbag that's attached to the top of the post. And one of the other Marines, like we're trying to hide these um, potatoes under the caminetting, but the caminetting is attached to a 550 cord up to the sandbag on the uh, the post up top. 
And as he's kicking the stake that has that line attached to it, John Francis just so happens to be underneath of it. And this fucking 40 pound sandbag like comes off of the roof and hits this dude in the head. Uh-oh. He immediately crushes and, you know, goes out. He's knocked out cold. Yeah. We had to wake him up and it, long story short. Yeah. We got the potatoes and the next morning I go into the guy's room to you know wake him up. And I'm like, yo, Francis, you coming with us? And he just like sits up directly and he can't move his neck. He's like, well, Dan, I don't think I can go today. I'm like, yep, you're staying here today. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> was he uh, Was he all right, though, so long term? <laughs> uh, no, he's still fucked up. To, <laughs> from oh, India to Jesus. This day. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's like, you know, little things like that just kind of help make the deployment kind of go a little bit easier. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. The guys are getting shot at a lot every day, you know, fucking trying to evade IEDs. You know, you're fucking getting bodies brought up to you sometimes, and, you know, like, those little things just kind of help ease it. Oh, yeah. No, I can imagine something as simple as just having some potatoes to, like, cook up or even just eat. Yeah, dude, we lived off those potatoes for, like, fucking weeks, bro. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of potatoes, I imagine. Yeah, we got caught and we had to give you know a majority of them back, but we still got a fair share. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I imagine. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's crazy. Um, so once uh, was there ever a point towards in that summer that things uh, I don't know ever kind of settled down, or was it just this constant like back and forth? Now that summer everything was uh. It was like a pretty uh, constant barrage. Um, and, and was it like that? So you honest, guys like, rotated out? Yeah, yeah. I even felt bad for the guys we rotated out with, man. Like, when we did the whole left seat, right seat with them, man, like, they probably got shafted a bit, to be honest with you. Um, they should have been there a little bit longer, but it just, that's just how it fucking, you know, it worked out, but. Yeah, that summer was fucking. It was it was rough, dude. That that was a like. I remember reading. Um, <clears throat> I would go through like the BFTs um, messages, you know, from company back and forth from you know, Yellow Schoolhouse, and just kind of see what was going on. And what what's a BFT? Uh, Blue Force Tracker. Oh, okay. I gotcha. 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 Yeah, so I was, like, you know, trying to monitor all that. And, uh, you know, I would send expenditure reports after, you know, we would get into firefights and stuff like that back to, you know, company. But, you know, I would do a little snooping here and there and just kind of see what's going on. And uh, it felt like that summer they had brought in some new fighters and things had really turned up uh, intensity-wise for sure. Mm, Okay. Did it feel uh, more intense than what it was like coming in? Um, coming in was intense, I think, just because of, like, the initial invasion, but, like, everything after, like, all the firefights usually afterward were just, like, little sporadic, you know, little engagements here and there. Um, you know, they may start off with some machine gun fire, shoot RPG, but, you know, once you started, you know, getting into contact with them, starting a maneuver, like, they would always break contact and try to roll out, but, um, 
these other guys do, they were fucking banging. Like, uh, I had not seen anything like that. Um, while we were in Afghanistan up to that point, and I would, you know, I would have said at that point, I felt, you know, fairly, or actually pretty fucking confident of my abilities of leading guys, you know, into combat and what X, Y, Z, but when the new fighters rolled out, dude, like, it kind of made me question and I had to, you know, go back and rethink things and figure some things out. You know what I mean? What was it they were doing differently? Um, dude, how they would hit like initial burst. Um, it was almost like these fighters had fucking, uh, machine gun stakes in, dude. Mm. It was just accurate fire. Like initial. Yeah, dude, it was super accurate. Like, oh shit. They brought in a sniper. Um, they had some of these like really accurate machine gunners. And years later, I spoke to a buddy of mine that used to work down in one six on off of uh, Hippo. And you know some of the engagements that he had around that same time frame, you know, it sounded like you know pretty pretty close and similar to the same type of sniper. So I don't know if that guy was just working the whole corridor up and down, but uh, we got into a fucking engagement one day where. You know, off the rip, the PKMs, you know, fucking hitting dudes in the patrol, or Afghanis. Um, none of my uh, guys got hit. But right off the rip, you know, two Afghanis get fucking hit. One gets killed, the other, you know. Oh, jeez. And they knew to elude us to be outside of, you know, 40 mile mic range. You know, basically, they allowed us to get outside of effective range for most of our weapons before they hit us. And that engagement, dude, like, I had a PKM fucking firing, you know, basically walking rounds in between me and my fucking corpsmen. And, you know, I'm just on the hook trying to get fucking QRF, trying to get fucking air on station, you know, trying to get things rolling because now I got two fucking cases. And this dude is fucking literally pinning the back wall with machine gun fire where I'm at. And I can't do shit right now aside from just talking on the fucking radio. Right. Yeah, that's so, uh, yeah. some wild, wild stress. Well, um, and just being so young, too, at that age and dealing with all that, how... In the moment, was any of it kind of messing with you at all, or was it all just like you're just so going, going, going? It wasn't even time to really kind of think about it. No, you don't. You don't think about that shit, man. It took years. Um, <laughs> I think to really like decompress. But um, I do remember, man, after that firefight, like, well, during that firefight, I was able to look up. You know, I could see that my boys. You know, Hollow is over on the 240 fucking rock, and I knew Garcia was down below me fucking tending to the wounded. The guys are fucking, you know, they're doing what they're fucking supposed to be doing. I just hated the fact that I couldn't be with them at that point in time. You know what I mean? Like, I was, I was tending to fuck down. You know what I mean? So, like, it was a little rough on me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, but after that, man, we got the uh, we got the Kazes out, and you know, unfortunately, the one Afghani he fucking died in our dock's arms as he uh, loaded on the you know onto the fucking bird and shit. But and was this one of the ones you guys were close with? Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, no. 
Uh, we weren't close with these Afghanis. Oh, they, they were different ones? Yeah, they have rotated out a couple times since then. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. that's still, like, I still imagine that's not easy to watch. Um, Bill Hume. Sorry, what were you saying? I was just saying, you know, it's no, it's not easy to watch. It's still a human who's still fighting alongside of us. Like, you know, in that point in time, you're still, you're still a, a fucking brother, you know? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's definitely it's a tough pill to swallow. Yeah, that, like, that's just my experience. Like, you know, that summer, like, for first squad, dude, you know, Kyle Francis got hit. For fucking first platoon, you know, Chris Rangale got hit. You know, he was killed. It was just, it was not a fun summer, bro. Yeah. I could, yeah. Pull the fuck out of there. Yeah, by the time, uh, the, and I imagine Kyle was the, did he make it, did he make it out okay? Kyle Francis? Yeah, yeah, Francis. Sorry, I probably just said his last name. No, you're fine. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to go into that. I don't know specifics. Right, I, mean, I was just, I was just wondering if like he made it out all right. I mean, you know, eventually. Yeah, I mean, event. Yeah, he he got out of there. Um, you know, his boys got him out of there, and he definitely needed to talk to you know, his guys. He's, right. he's a very good friend of mine. I love him to death. Um, I, <laughs> I remember. Uh, him coming into my tent with his cousin um, and them asking when we were in Barca to come to my squad. And I was just like, hey, I love you guys, but I bring you over to my squad. I know how it's going to go. We thought, you know, Lord of the Flies was just, you know, a little – Little thing, dude. If I would have had those two under me, it would have been fucking ridiculous. I don't, I don't <laughs> know if I could anarchy. <laughs> yeah, and I love them. I love both of those guys to death, you know. But I just, I knew. I was like, yo, I, I cannot have. Like as much as I would love to have you, because I, you know, I'm a lance corporal at heart for life, you know. But right. I was like, no, nah, I can't do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, I can, I definitely, I definitely can imagine. At, um, when you guys were starting to get closer towards coming home, because you guys came back in August, right? Yeah. So, so as you guys were starting to get closer to August, were, was anybody starting to get a little more nervous or were you guys starting to like try and, I, I don't know, like how was the, the closing part of that deployment? kind of feeling like for you guys yeah so um yeah closing deployment dude and you yeah you're kind of on track there um at least for me like you start to think like man we're you know we're weeks away from getting home right um and i just got lit up out here in this parking lot um and we lost kyle francis out there you know a few weeks prior my guys were out there Things are really in full esteem. Um, and to be honest, like we had, you know, a couple guys that earlier on in the deployment had gotten quote unquote, like hurt that had filtered back in 
afterwards and um we're just like super gung-ho you know wanted to go out and fucking kill the enemy xyz awesome cool that said some bad things happen you know some guys fucking almost died but for me it was um like well if you guys want to go do that i'll put my guys on post Right. I kept the guys on post for like almost two weeks straight, dude, because these guys just wanted to fucking try and run and gun toward the end of the deployment. Mm. And honestly, it was obviously a lot safer for me to keep my guys back and let these guys try to go out there and do it. But, you know, there were some, you know, ramifications of their actions. And um, there's nothing worse than fucking being on radio COC and trying to get birds spun up and trying to get help to your individuals that basically this guy's dying, but there's no birds. I can't send anything out. And you know, you're hearing your friends and your brothers um, out there and you can't do anything about it. Um, but that said, like that's where my mindset was, is like if, you want to continue to put your guys out there. I will allow mine to stay here. Yeah. And then, you know, my guys kind of thought like, Hey, is rock D, you know, is he lost it? I'm like, no, I haven't lost it. I was just, I'm looking at going home. I'm yeah. trying to get you guys home. Yeah, no, I definitely, yeah. I definitely can, uh, can imagine that's, uh, that's tough too. That's a tough decision to, uh, be making too i'm sure there was probably some backlash for you for that it was yeah there was backlash and you know when you start to kind of hear the murmurs you know i get it but you know i've had this discussion with a lot you know all my guys since then um but it was like i never wanted you to think that like i wasn't in your favor it was just like i wanted to make sure you all came home yeah yeah because i'm sure at, at that point you know everything happening it's like all right enough has already happened yeah there had been there's been enough on that deployment man yeah no i can i can definitely imagine um so i guess uh after those last couple weeks um when you guys were starting to leave what was that kind of feeling like for you guys relief oh really (laughs) it was all yeah just just like uh you know that blanket just comes off man like you just like man there's some relief i i just i remember when we finally all got the platoon back to camel um you know got on this up armored whatever like seven tons or whatever started moving back and i was just like thank fucking god i'm i'm done you know right as you start to move a little bit closer like you know, I mean, I don't remember what main base we had been on. Um, I just remembered like being awoken to hearing a gun run out in the you know far distance, but you just realize you're a lot safer, you know. And it took a lot of time, I think, yeah, you know, at least for me to try to decompress from all that. Um, yeah, but the last firefight I was in prior to being back in Camp Lejeune was like a week and a half. Mm. And uh, getting back home and, you know, I'm driving my truck and 
kind of still skirting, you know, tree lines and looking for people. And you realize like, there's, there's not going to be anybody in there. Right, like the yeah. Other guy, you know? yeah. Yeah. What was it like for you guys when, um, I guess sitting, uh, sitting down that playing and then t- I imagine you guys probably were on C-17s or something when you guys were flying out of there. And then I guess, uh, was that probably the first time that the company had been back all together? Dude, to be honest with you, I, I really don't know. Like, I remember you hit up like a, uh, a big Air Force base um, in, was it Kyrgyzstan or whatever on the way out? Mm-hmm. And that was like really when I remember the whole company being back together. Um, but aside from that, like, no, I don't, I don't remember necessarily. Oh, no, I take that back, actually. Yeah, because I think we hit Dwyer. Um, I don't necessarily know if the whole company was back there. But um, I just remember, like, I almost shipped my MVGs home. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and had to go, you know, deal with that shit. So, yeah, we were – actually, the company was back at, like, Dwyer before we, you know, started a position back. And, yeah, everything had changed, man. It was, like, obviously a little bit more relaxed for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I imagine. Getting back uh, to America, though, when you guys were, like, landing, what, like, how were you guys all kind of feeling then, too? Just happy to be home, dude. I mean – I think along the way, uh, <laughs> we stopped in Bulgaria, and uh, one of my like really, really good friends is actually Bulgarian, and um, the bars were closed, and so he went and spoke to you know people at the airport, and they went out and bought us beer, and then they finally opened up the uh, the bars for us. But uh, that was like one of the best experiences coming home. Was like you know. Me and like four other guys passing along this, you know, two liter fucking soda looking beer, you know, getting shit faced after eight months of being in fucking combat. Like, we were just all thankful, man, ready to be home. Yeah, no, I definitely believe that. Definitely believe that. So, at that point, were you getting out of the Marine Corps or did you still have some time left? I still had some time left. Uh, I wasn't getting out. So we got home like in August of 2010. I wasn't getting out until uh, May of 2011. Okay. Yeah, so I got to stick around with 3-6 for a little bit um, until basically, you know, I had left them. But I did not, you know, go on the second deployment with them. I know it was like a totally different experience for everyone, but. I just kind of realized like my time frame with everybody, you know, at that point in time was done. Yeah, no, I definitely, I believe it. It's a, uh, it's a lot for one deployment. I'm looking busy on Um, for, uh, coming home though, once you did start settling back into Lejeune, I know you mentioned it a little bit ago with, uh, you know, skirting tree lines and stuff, but how was the rest of it adjusting back to, uh, I guess, just being on Lejeune again? Um, you know, different change of command. Um, everybody, you know, my company commander went elsewhere. 
a pin commander went elsewhere and we got a new drop. Um, it was just like part of the course, you know, um, mm-hmm. things just were like totally different for, I guess like the second change of command, uh, versus what I was accustomed to with the first one. Right. Yeah. And then I guess getting out, well, how's that for you? <laughs> oh man, it was a hell of a transition for sure. Yeah. Um, thankfully, like when I got out, yeah, I, I basically got out with like four other guys. I'm sorry. Yeah. Four other guys, um, that I served in the fast teams with and we were all on the Mars together. And, uh, you know, we started to, uh, purchase, uh, rental properties in Columbia, South Carolina. And, uh, I decided to try to go to school down there. And, um, thankfully my old company commander was down in Columbia running that, uh, reserve command down there. So like, it wasn't too bad, dude. Like when I first got out, you know, but still like, having that whole accountability, uh, you know, formation every day, like this is kind of like, you know, what we're going to do for the day. Um, that was no longer there. So like it was hard for me. Like, I'm not going to lie. I tried to go to school, but I just could not get into that rhythm. Right. So So I stayed down there for a little bit. Then ended up back in Florida a little bit and just kind of hopped around and just you know try to figure out everything for god knows how many years but yeah and what uh what, little, oh sorry what was that no i'm saying it just it took a little bit for sure you know once i came back to you know kind of get back in the groove of this is now civilian life right yeah what ended up uh helping you Honestly, uh, family, um, family, obviously my dad was in the Marine Corps. He didn't really understand a lot of, uh, what I had truly gone through, but just having that support from my mother and my father, I mean, dude, I remember like I got on the staff phone after, you know, that big firefight I was in, I was pinned down like that. And obviously I wasn't supposed to be on the staff phone, but I, you know, I still was and my dad and you know basically when I heard like he's like man hey you know you're going through it but I just like I can't I don't I don't know what to tell you I was like fuck yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that's kind of that's a that's a lot to hear yeah I mean you know what I mean but like you know it's just like that's yeah. kind of like you know the life that we chose right kind of something that you deal with so but, uh, that's I did family Having, you know, the guys that I served with, um, you know, Jackson, you know, he helped me out a lot throughout the years of just like, you know, just being able to talk to these guys and yeah, dude, like, you know, stuff like that, you know, stays with you forever. Oh yeah, absolutely. To have brothers, you know, it's nice to have the brothers, you know, that brotherhood, the camaraderie to where it's like, Hey man, I'm feeling this way. And you know, just kind of talk you through everything, man. Like that's one thing I think uh, a lot of the guys should try to be more relying on is yeah. you know, we all start together. Um, most of us feel the same way, you know what I mean. So you having this outlet, dude, awesome. Truly appreciate it. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I, I truly appreciate you just uh, being able to, be, I mean, being willing to uh, just share all this, this very, very personal experiences with me and with, you know, everybody else, it's, it's the, especially the active duty dudes uh, for them. I, I if I uh, were still in and I were able to hear podcasts like this, hearing like the, literally the, the, the shoes I'm filling and what you guys went and did it definitely would have probably uh encouraged me to uh have a little more motivation for the job do uh get after trying a little bit yeah harder. i mean i as much as you know my experience with dude i i absolutely love my time with three six i love being able to bear that french forze you know being one of the only infantry units that has that man yeah it separates us and having that lineage man I'm thankful for. I uh, I love it, and you know, even though I only spent a few years with three six, and as it is, man, I will always bleed. I will always have love for that battalion. Yeah, I t- I used to tell people too sometimes. Uh, no matter how much we complain and stuff, but if you looked at the history of this unit, it's, it's pretty fucking badass. It's uh, it's definitely humbling stuff too, and just be- hearing it firsthand is. Incredibly humbling. Um, did did all you uh, did all of your platoon kind of keep in contact with each other as time went on and you all got out? I think it was a little kind of spot on, you know, here and there throughout the years. Um, as time has progressed, I think more of us have uh, come closer, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, in, in the beginning. You know, guys are still deploying, but as they uh, transitioned out and as they've been out now, I've been out of it since like 12 years uh, or whatever. But yeah, everybody, it seems like we've gotten closer. A lot of those little tiffs that we had while we were in the Marine Corps and shit, you know, they go away. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, so what, what are you uh, up to these days? Oh, dude, I've been <laughs> jack of all trades, uh, but years of late, um, I've positioned my focus to uh, jiu-jitsu, and I work at a uh, jiu-jitsu gym, and I do sales, and I teach uh, classes over there now. Oh, that's sick. Yeah. I've been wanting to get back into it. I just keep having bills come up and all this other stuff, but I really do want to get back into jiu-jitsu. I so. think uh, that's like my new purpose. Um, you know, I've had... My kid, um, he's now five. I do keep all with him, and he likes to train. And it's kind of cool, you know, being able to teach a new upgrade, you know, kind of grooming, quote-unquote, you know, the new warriors and, uh, you know, teaching these guys how to do arm bars and choke one another out. Yeah. (laughs) It's all pretty cool. Um, It's been a a wild ride for sure. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can imagine too. Uh, I can only try and imagine, I suppose. But uh, I guess my uh, my last question for you would be: uh, for all the squad leaders that are in three six now, what what advice would you have for them? Oh wow! Oh fuck! <laughs> That's a tough one. Um, <laughs> advice, man. Um, you know, I I would always say. Just be open. Um, be open to learning. 
just because you've gone through this school or that school or you learned this doctrine or this TTP, whatever, man, there's sometimes there's always that guy that's that fucking P, PFG, whoever, that you just might have a different thought and it might fucking save your life. And so it might be good to fucking listen to it. Um, but I was, you know, I think I would say that, man. If you're a squad leader now, man, just be continuously learning. Listen to your peers. You know, listen, you know, even at the smallest element of what you think it is. But if people think differently, and if you can play chess a little bit differently and betterly than the enemy, please do. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's definitely awesome. Uh, awesome advice for these guys. Well, brother, uh, I've been talking for about two hours now. I I really appreciate you uh, giving us the time to uh, to share your your story with all of us. Um, it's gonna be really cool talking to your uh, to your friend too when he uh, when he has time to circle back and do this. Definitely, man. I mean, he's got a lot of insight, and you know, he got to uh, you know, go on the first one, come back for the second one, be a sniper, and implement a little bit more work than we got to do on the first one. So, man, yeah. Definitely, I think it would be a good asset for you know to bring on the you know the podcast. But I truly appreciate you allowing me to be on here and uh, giving me the time, man. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate you too, man. And uh, for uh, everybody else, well, I hope you guys have a uh, a good night, and we'll uh, we'll catch you next time.